Hello, my fellow sovereigns. Before we dive into our episode today, because it is the end of Women's History Month, even though, let's be honest, Women's History Month is celebrated, at least in our company at Crown Yourself, all year round. Because one of the things with women's history is in ancient cultures, like ancient Egypt, for example, the feminine power was actually revered. And as we have grown into being currently in a patriarchal society, that femininity, that feminine power has been repressed, suppressed. And as you'll hear from today's interview, there's some sexist undertones in the world if you haven't experienced them personally yourself. And in order to combat that, you can't combat hate with hate. It only generates hate. Like Gandhi says, an eye, an eye for an eye would make the world blind. But if you combat it with love, embracing your own feminine power within you, that is how we start to shift from an internal level and that internal shifts and ripples into our families and our communities and eventually the world. But it starts with you embracing that feminine power that you have within. The feminine power is the ability to play, to rest, to receive, to experience and express emotions fully, to allow yourself to be in that flow, in that dance with life. And that is what we go into deeply into helping you embody in my self-study course, Power to the She. Power to the She was a course that I recorded a few years ago. And just for our podcast listeners, I am bringing it back for a special discounted rate. You Only for our Princess and the Bee listeners, you can get Power to the She for 22% off. So celebrate your femininity with me and start claiming that power that you have that feminine power that we all have inside of us. And you can start when you just click the link in the description to get your copy of Power to the She. Hello, my fellow sovereigns, and welcome back to another episode of The Princess and the Bee as we rise into becoming the queens we were born to be. And in celebration of Women's History Month, I brought on an incredible woman to talk about sexism. Why she's incredible, for vast many reasons, is she's also 13 years old. This is by far the youngest guest I've ever had on The Princess and the Bee, and she is an extraordinary woman, young woman, that I met at TEDx Corumbin. She gave a TED Talk on the Invisible Man, and explored some of the symptoms, neurology of what causes sexist behavior early on in guys and how that's been deemed by society to be somewhat appropriate. Yeah, I know we're making some strides um, on teaching young boys about consent, but by bringing on someone who is 13 years old to share her own personal experiences about what she has been experiencing and seeing boys do in the thick of it, like, oh my goodness, I can't, remembering back to junior high, like there were already challenges, but now with Instagram and social media and things feeling so public and so put out there um, and how sexism plays a role in that and how we as women and as young women can start standing up, speaking our truth, and continuing to lean in. And I hope that by listening to this podcast episode, 
you, as I did, experience the possibility of what is happening to these younger generations who are seeing the injustices of the world and who I've, I've given myself truth bumps and who are choosing to do something about it, like being 13 years old and giving a TED Talk. Now, it wasn't until after this interview that Isla actually told me that how she pronounces her name is typically Isla, but she's never corrected me until after we recorded it or after the TEDx talk. So I will call her Isla, but she also goes by Isla, which is what I've been calling her for forever. Uh, But so you know this woman as who she is becoming, because I know she's going to do incredible things with her life. I give you Isla Freer. Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Princess and the Bee. I am so excited to be here with you today because I have an extraordinary young woman who I was blessed to share the stage with at the TEDx Corumban event. Uh, today I have Isla Freer. She is 13 years old and she blew my mind when she chose to speak on sexism at 13 years old. So welcome to the program. Isla, I'm so excited <laughs> to have you. Yeah. (laughs) So what got you into feeling the need to speak on sexism? I mean, it seems like such a, it seems like such a grown up topic for such a young person. So I'd love to hear more about what's your story that got you interested in that? Um, to be honest, when I was probably about seven or eight, I kind of started noticing that there was a bit of a difference in the way I was treated from boys and girls and I learned that the gender pay gap existed and I was kind of like why is that just because we have different hormones or we look different to males like why does that make us any less equal so yeah that's pretty much why and now you've lived a long time on this planet 13 years so <laughs> what were some of your experiences in school that that you that really guided your interest into this because you you don't just talk about sexism you also talk about the science behind it yeah so um at school i've been kind of catcalled by boys said really really horrible stuff like really sexual stuff and i'm 13 like that's just not on and i've just had teachers like in hpe and stuff like separate the boys and girls and kind of say like girls get two points and boys get one to encourage the boys to include the girls. And I just don't really understand why that should 
their thing. Yeah. yeah. So what do you mean girls get two points and boys get one? So like for every goal a girl gets, they have to like give her an extra point because what, we're not capable of, <laughs> of scoring yeah. the same amount of goals? Apparently so. <laughs> So what is it, what have you noticed about your generation, about the, the boys and, and are other girls like you standing up and, and giving a voice to this issue? I think there is actually a bit of culture, like just to brush it off, like it's no big deal. That's just normal. That's what we just have to deal with. But if you stop to think, it's completely unfair and it should not be happening. Yeah. So I would say most girls probably wouldn't say something about it, but they, and most wouldn't feel the need to, which I think is really sad as well. But why do you think they don't feel the need to say something? Is just because it's accepted as the boys will be boys? Yeah, exactly. Not <laughs> my boys. <laughs> no, <that's good. laughs> Not my boys. So with this, what have you noticed at, you know, with boys and how they're being taught is it mostly because they're seeing like porn at an early age or is it because of what they're watching on tv or the games that they're playing or is it because of have you heard from some of your parents how they speak about girls or it's not your parents your parents are amazing but like other other kids parents on how they speak about um sexism and and the experiences that they're having um i think it's probably a combination of all those things I think social media is also playing a big role in everything because um, it's just allowing every, like, I feel like so many things just females get sexualized for, like just everyday things. I know that online porn is kind of just normal. Like, I'm to be honest, at one point I was thinking, I haven't seen any of this. Should I have seen this? Like, I know so many people that have seen it. And I think that's really messed up, to be honest. But I guess just the way women are portrayed in the media or not all women, but in the media and in porn and things like that, it's really, really impacting boys' perception of girls and how they should be treated, which is terrible. But yeah. And what what is it doing? What do you see it doing for for women? Do like or for girls? Like, do you see a lot of your female counterparts also like choosing to lean into more of an over-sexualized persona because you're like right around like puberty age so yeah well none of my like close friends are like that because i just choose smart people <laughs> well done <laughs> <laughs> but some of the girls i know from primary school and some of the ones that have gone off the rails a bit they are posting quite sexualized stuff on social media like on public accounts and things like that as well at just 13 so they're almost kind of agreeing with everything which is not helping <laughs> and so but, going they're going along with the the trend do you see the trend increasing with the age decreasing to it being a younger and younger form of sexualization yeah i think so because i think back to like I don't know when I was a bit younger if you saw something that was like a bit like suggestive or whatever like it's not that bad but it's generally like the youngest would be like a 17 year old or something but now I've seen stuff where like even friends younger siblings that are like 11 or something are posting 
really like innuendo related stuff. So yes, I do think it's getting worse and kind of to a lower age level. Can you share some of the statistics that you you shared in your TEDx talk, which we'll absolutely link in the description below this episode because when when they come out, we're still we're still waiting on it to <laughs> to come out and be released to the world. <laughs> I'm very excited. Yeah. So the average age for first exposure to explicit material in Australia is eight to ten years old. So that's not completely hardcore stuff, but really sexualized stuff is eight to ten years old, which is grade three. So that's absolutely tiny. Kids are like in the middle of primary school still. Yeah, and my son's only like four years away from that. And that's kind of, I guess, since that's the average, then there's going to be a lot of younger kids. And for hardcore pornography, that's age 11. So grade five, six. And if you're in the younger age group, seven, which is puberty's just starting, kids are starting to learn that sex isn't just reproduction and things like that. And they're seeing this stuff, which is completely unrealistic and disturbing. And that's probably impacting so much on perception of females. Yeah, perception of females and the experience of sex in general as well. Looking at that, I mean, the 9 to 11 age range, I mean, that was for me when I started my battle with bulimia because that was when I was being exposed to just diet culture and that seems like a really prime age range for suggestibility of social acceptance Mm -hmm. and so what what are you seeing as a speaking as a 13 year old as what are your friends or classmates looking for are they are they seeking more like social acceptance during this this time and is that why it, it kind of escalates um I guess probably a lot of um, girls especially, but boys too, in my generation, we're kind of looking for like that social media following or those likes or whatever. And I hate that that's a stereotype, but it is kind of true. So I'm thinking that a lot of girls are going down that path purely because they want that kind of that popularity and that acceptance. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Now you're relatively new to the social media sphere I believe (laughs) (laughs) yeah so what have you enjoyed by holding back on actually coming into the social media world and what are you seeing now that you're a part of it um I'm seeing I'm definitely like reaching to see oh has something happened has someone commented have I got a like but I'm Mm making sure that I'm not getting obsessive, like I want more likes or whatever. So I pretty much never post and I'm just kind of using it so people can contact me for any reason. But yeah. Yeah. Isla's uh, social media, her Instagram handle will be down below to contact her because I would love for you to speak about some of the science behind sexism. Because I know what blew my mind in your TED talk was that suddenly a 13 year old is speaking on neuroscience. And I was like, <laughs> this girl is, this girl's up my alley. <laughs> so what is some of the science behind sexism that you've, you've noticed from the research that you've done? So sexism is actually instinctive in nature. So, but it's sort of around like reproduction and things like that. 
so it's not like inappropriate comments or unequal pay or whatever but it's about animals like eating the female after they've reproduced or the male animal going out to hunt and the female staying home but since us humans are so developed we pretty much have no excuse to be like this as well because we have a thing called well everyone does every animal has neuroplasticity this is the brain's ability to like rewire itself and make new connections so one connection becomes five ready to keep growing but it literally means we can change our sexist connections to respectful ones because we're so neuroplastic and that's pretty much the science behind why we have no excuse to be sexist amen <laughs> and, and i think that that's such uh, one of the things that i loved about your talk was that you really called on the invisible man can you share a little bit more about who this invisible man is are they a good man like who is this invisible man so the invisible men um they are a good man and it does actually represent all the men who disagree with gender inequality but they're called the invisible man because they're invisible no one really like in the media if you try to think there's not really any positive male role models that actively speak out and are actively feminists really well not feminists but equal equalitists is that a word that's the word now but um i agree i think it should be a word <laughs> yeah so they are good they are good men but we need them to become visible men not invisible men because women have spoken up for equality for a very very long time but i feel like we've made we've come leaps and bounds like we can vote now we're standing in parliament all that but there's not that many women in parliament even though we're allowed and there's still so many glass ceilings and i feel like if men start to stand up for women um it'll have a greater impact because they already have such an impact so yeah i completely agree and i think with um the invisible man i loved how you you mentioned that in media there's not really a lot of male role models and that's something that my husband has always commented on is like it, my husband's a generation older than I am and I'm a millennial and I grew up with like there's the the dumb dad like he'll he always does something wrong and he's just kind of like the dopey dumb dad or the Peter Griffin dad the dopey dumb dad who sits on a couch and eats a whole bunch of like Cheetos all day <laughs> so men it seems to me men haven't been exposed to really solid role models and so they've gotten just kind of they've gotten and from that especially as dads and i know i can speak as a parent myself is like when you become a parent suddenly it becomes apparent uh, all this the programming and all the habits that you kind of either translate it that you didn't realize that you were doing that were from your parents and how you were parented so it's kind of like a way but the only way you can change it is by becoming self-aware and yeah. so how are you really helping your just your circle of friends become more self-aware to saying no to things that they disagree with and standing up for themselves and owning their their power and their voice that's a pretty big question but i would probably say um i kind of encourage my friends to i'm 
I mean, I'm an overthinker. I'm not encouraging them to overthink, but to kind of, if something happens that they feel a bit funny about or they disagree with, to kind of overthink it and think through, is that right? Should I stand up for myself for that? And I think it's really important that even though we feel like we're silenced, we shouldn't just go along with it. So I try to promote that in my circle, but yeah. Oh, I agree. It was fascinating. During the week before the TEDx talk, uh, before we did TEDx Grumman, I was um, picking my son up from school and from pre-kindy and they were all doing a little dance and my and Declan like he he just kind of he saw me and then he wanted to dance more but he didn't want me to like watch him and so he kind of like went back against the wall and I and and this little boy who he's had some trouble with um just just a little bit of bullying and they're both very fiery like leader characters (laughs) this boy come came up to him and shoved his butt in my son's crotch and started like grinding on him and I was like these four I was appalled and shocked and went over and said no 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 we do not stick our butts in other people's private parts like those are yours and I I had a conversation with my four-year-old and I said because the look on his face was just uh, it was heartbreaking because he just he was so hurt and he didn't quite know what to say and he didn't quite know what he was supposed to do and i said i told him i said look buddy i said did what this kid did do to you did did that feel good and he said he said no and i said i said okay then you have the power to use your voice and speak up and you have the power to say no and if someone ever does that to you and and, and violates you you can push them away <laughs> But I like it was so reminiscent of what you you're speaking on and like and I'm like I just question like what is going on in this other like I had such compassion for the other kid too I'm like where did you learn this where did you think that this was okay was it TV or did you see something from home or worse and so I'm not surprised that this is happening at such an early age I'm curious as as a 13 year old like what is what has been the sexual education. Um, I'm American, so I come from a, I come from a different country. So I'm just curious, what's been, what's been the education that you've received in Australia and Um, how early did you start receiving certain forms of sexual education? So I was kind of taught stuff in school, whatever, when I was eight, and that was kind of the start of everything. I was a pretty quiet kid, believe it or not, when I was little. So I didn't really like talk with other kids very much or kind of communicate so I don't really know if kids were talking about that stuff back then but I guess when I got into high school then I started learning a lot of stuff and some of the stuff I kind of question is that normal is that like healthy and things like was that was that in school that you were being taught a lot of stuff yeah so I've had or like was... in like actual school yeah. then like in the playground or whatever, I've overheard conversations or had these boys come up and say these really disgusting things. And then like my friends and I, we've all had a conversation about it and kind of like talked about what it actually means and probably learned more from boys at school than like actual school, which is Mm. pretty messed up, but yeah. What would you like to see change in the sex education to help to help with this sort of this problem 
I would like there to be more education on what's normal and healthy and kind of accepted, really, because I think there's a lot of misinterpretations and things like that of how it's meant to be like or how you're meant to treat someone and things like that. And especially with consent, like I have noticed a lot lately, we have actually been getting a lot of proper stuff on consent because there's been a few things going on. But at 13, there's been a few things going That is, That is just like, as a parent, that is horrifying. And like, I hope anyone who is a parent and listening to this is just like hyper aware. Because I think as a parent, like, when you're at your age, I think it, I, I have friends who have kids who are your age and they're, they don't have to be as hands-on. And so it's not as, it's not as parenting intensive as like a newborn or a four-year-old yeah. or like as a child. And so because there's this extra independence, we think that you can like figure more things out, but dang, it just is, is it's hitting me more and more how much it seems like guidance kids may need from their parents I mean I've met your parents they're awesome yeah I'm so close with my parents I'm probably a bit close with my mum and my dad just because my dad's work works a lot but we're still very mm -hmm. close but I'm very grateful because I'm comfortable to ask my mum anything and some like really embarrassing and gross stuff I've asked her but she's always just been there to let me know like what's the deal but I just feel for other kids who don't have that kind of relationship. And there's probably so many kids, even kids that are close with their parents that just don't have that support to ask things like that. And because we're not getting the education in school about it, I feel like that's really fueling misinterpretations and understanding. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so what's been the education around consent that you've, you've been experiencing? Um, well, there's the whole no means no thing going on at the moment but then I've like just as common knowledge like in like pornographic material like a female says no and they actually mean yes so if these boys kind of don't pay attention in school especially or if and if their parents aren't there to be good role models or they just can't ask their parents they're not really understanding and I think that's such a huge factor and I think that that's something that you you pointed out that is just so cool about your relationship with your mom yeah. is that you feel very open and that there's I don't want to put words in your mouth but is there like any shame that you feel it's like even if something's like feels really embarrassing to ask her like you feel comfortable like she's not gonna judge you or be mad yeah. at you if you if yeah. you yeah. have that openness of conversation and I think that that's something definitely for parents to to model especially for for their kids to be able to hold that space for them um, yeah. to be able to say anything like I know my four-year-old gets in trouble more if he doesn't tell the truth than if he <laughs> than if he <laughs> like if he tells the truth that he did something wrong that he knows he shouldn't do wrong he, he won't get in as much trouble as if he lies yeah. to me about it so what are your big dreams I mean you have got such a massive future ahead of you you've already done a TEDx talk sheesh <laughs> Well, I kind of want to do everything, <laughs> which isn't great because I don't know. I might only have 100 years on the planet, maybe less. You're but... 13. You can do everything. You'll probably have more. <laughs> by the t but with the, with the rate of science of longevity, <laughs> I have a feeling your generation's going to be li living till at least 120, 150. <laughs> so. 
So you got you got you you've got some time <laughs> to accomplish <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but what what is it that what what are all the everythings that you would love to to experience? Um. Well, I love performing pretty much anything. So I've been playing classical piano for nearly seven years now. Seven years next March. I just started singing lessons, but I've sung forever. There's a video of me when I was like two and I just watched my first ever music video and it was Bohemian Rhapsody. And I just look at the camera and I'm like, I know, I know. (laughs) Yes! And I'm like, that's a good song. (laughs) You have good taste. I've got very good taste. No, just kidding. But I just love music in general and writing. So I would love to screenwrite or and and songwrite and things like that. But the absolute, absolute dream is I would love to learn to produce music so I can produce my own stuff and set up my own record label so I can create a safe space for all artists to be themselves. So if I had a record label, I would want to kind of respect who people want to become rather than saying you should look like this this is the stuff you should be singing let's add this to the track because that'll make you more popular and screenwrite and do everything else but yeah so it sounds like a a very thriving career in entertainment (laughs) is is where you're headed in all the different areas yeah that's why I resonate with you that was that was (laughs) that was definitely my dream for a while and what I shifted was is I realized as an entrepreneur, I I was the director and I was the producer because you're producing the content and you're you're financing it and you're yeah. directing the show and and you're directing how your customers come in and so I found that like I took my love for Hollywood and I just like it just morphed and evolved. So I look forward to seeing what your dream evolves into and you know maybe you turn into an astronaut as well since you said you want to do everything. <laughs> I used to want to be an astronaut. <laughs> Music and space. First space age record label. Yeah. <laughs> I'll work with Richard Branson. Yes, and Elon Musk, for sure. Yeah, work with Richard because he's got he's got Virgin and he had Virgin Virgin Records for the forever. So with that, with these big dreams and and you have such a strong social stance, do you have any dreams of political aspirations or what would you like to see change in in the in the politics around sexism and and what you've seen um so i kind of want to be a bit of an ambassador for creating more equality and power as well i would not really want to be in power because i think it's a really tough job and you get so much backlash i do love to lead though but i think it's really important that we create a more equal political system so all ages all genders all diversities of culture religion race whatever that reflects the country you're in rather than just having I don't mean to be rude but I feel like most of our politicians are like 50 year old men with bald spots like that's literally it (laughs) really amazing women and a couple really good men that are like really good but I think we need a lot more indigenous people and immigrants and all of that. I think what's what's so beautiful is to hear you say that it's 
I don't think it's rude. I think it's just being aware of a stereotype. And, and, and I think sometimes we, and this was one of the reasons I wanted to bring you onto the podcast because you hold such a powerful perspective. And sometimes we are not, uh, as adults, we forget that our kids are watching. And like the fact that as a 13 year old girl, you can recognize that many, many, many politicians are 50 year old men with bald spots. And, nice. and, and how Rogaine might be needed. <laughs> but, <laughs> but recognizing that certain cultures and populations of your country are not being represented in government. That is something that I am so excited for what your generation will produce if there are more kids like you out there who are also seeing these trends and saying, you know what, this is not a reflection of who I am. Are you wanting to claim your queen bee power, to build your empire, your authentic empire where you get to stand out fearlessly and create powerful, meaningful experiences for your customers, for your team, and for your family who you get to support with your business? Well, if this is you, then definitely, then you are going to want to get in on a 90-minute high-performance acceleration consult with me. We will work together one-on-one to uncover your queen bee leadership strategies, your deep subconscious success strategies, and uncover the self-limiting beliefs that may be holding you back from really claiming your power and fulfilling your full potential. Space is limited for these calls. It is a one-on-one experience with me where you will get to test drive the proverbial coaching car. So if you are wanting to get unstuck from the current way you've been doing your business, or if you are done with the overwhelm that has been plaguing you, if you are looking to have breakthroughs, ahas, and to go to that next level and have a clear profit plan to get to that next level successfully so that you start making the income and the impact that you deserve, then click the link in the description to jump in on a Queen Bee High Performance Acceleration Consult. I cannot wait to work with you one-on-one. So you said you like, like to lead. What does it mean to be a leader? For me, leading is listening to everyone's perspectives and understandings and wants and needs and kind of I'm always the mediator like if there's drama at school I'm never ever in drama but I'll be like oh you guys should make up let's make a compromise it's all good everything's happy let's just love everyone so I just find it important that everyone's heard and understand as equal and that they all kind of meet in the middle and agree with stuff and it is kind of fun to kind of say like let's do this, let's do this, and then get like this amazing outcome. That's just the best feeling. What have you led that you're most proud of? Well, I got to be school captain in my primary school. So I got to do like lots of speeches and I got to write my own speeches. I got to kind of help out with like the school and like talk about improvements and talk with the principal and everything and kind of show people like this is what our school's about. And like, that was just so cool. And I really loved that. What would you, how would you love to see more adults lead? Yes, that would be good. (laughs) Well, like how, what would you like to see them change about their leadership style? Um, well, I feel like it would be better. I feel like we need to listen more to everybody rather than just 
assuming what they're thinking or what they might want or need because I feel like there's a lot of speaking for others when we need them to speak to us so that would probably be the main thing that I would like to change in leadership yeah and what does it mean to you to to have be a good role model we have so many other role models in the media and in social social media especially and things like that we need really really good decent role models not just people taking selfies and things like that it's important that kids have something to look up to to become and understand like this is a really good person we should aspire to be this person not no not be this person but understand that your flaws are what define you and that's okay you can help improve that and that's who you are and yeah what are some of your flaws that you're most proud of like physically or mentally Ah, mentally physically leadershiply if that's a word (laughs) (laughs) i probably get in my own head a lot so Mm. i overthink everything if i think of a joke like most of the time i probably won't say it or i actually think that everyone when i first meet someone i just expect them to not like me and i just like probably have my wall up for a while and then i'm myself with people but yeah that's probably my main things with putting the wall up how has that served you probably not the best (laughs) because i think people think I'm someone that I'm not. And then when they actually get to know me, like I'm this huge personality and whatever, but, <laughs> but yeah, probably not the greatest, but I just get scared of people's judgment. I, do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we all do to a degree. And I think it also takes a very courageous leader to be able to admit that. And so I, I just admire your honesty and your vulnerability. And I think one thing that I was also not very, extroverted as a child I was I didn't speak for six months in uh kindy and like I was so so shy I stalked my best friend I literally like followed her around the playground and was (laughs) I didn't even ask her to be my best friend I just like waited for her to say something and turn around finally one day she did we're still friends 25 years later But the beautiful thing was, is that for me being quiet, it helps me be an observer. And like for me, like with my background, with growing up, my parent, my dad was an addict. And so I always was very observant before I, I took action and like engaged with someone because I wanted like, I learned from a very early age to assess behavior to keep myself protected. And so from the, the quiet ones, though, sometimes like it seems to me like you are very observant of, of your culture of the the culture of your school of the culture of kids around you of what's going on and it seems to me like that observant nature is is quite a strength for you oh thank you yeah now that you said that's exactly probably why i stay quiet i just wait and i see like is this person actually nice or they're just pretending to be nice are they going to be annoying or something like that are they going to treat me in a way that I don't deserve to be treated or are we going to have an amazing relationship? It's just really important to me to understand the person before I open up because I'm afraid of getting hurt. Yeah. What is it that, how do you, how would you love to see women be treated? How would you love to see girls be treated your, who are your age? And then women who are my age. (laughs) (laughs) 
you're just the same because you have a period or because you have boobs or whatever just because you're physically different or you have different hormones or something that is literally the only difference between you and a man it's just because you look different or you're biologically different that's the only thing and you're just as worthy and strong as anybody else and you can just do whatever it doesn't matter it's exactly what I think it should be and how women should be treated. And I and I think it also comes on women to also kind of command that as well. Yeah. Like I, I think it's, it's our responsibility as women to be able to say like, you know, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, your, your words I do not receive and what you're saying to me, you can go quietly, go off and be by yourself <laughs> and out of my bubble <laughs> yeah. because I do think I do think women have to command it and yeah sometimes that assertiveness I think for women especially that we can be scared of coming off as bitchy when really it's just we're asserting our power and our boundaries as far as what we will and will not accept and tolerate yeah because if you think of all the most probably successful and most commanding women they don't get respect in the beginning. They command respect and they deserve all of that respect that they get. Like Michelle Obama, for example, she's just amazing. <laughs> but yeah, it's both. It's on both parts for us to be more re respected. <laughs> yeah, and to really to to command that and say that this is what this is how I deserve to be treated, and to be able to claim that. And I really think that's claim that's claiming our own personal power as women, because I don't think like from what I've seen is women became very assertive. And now it's kind of how do we how do we own our femininity and the girly parts of us and our sexuality, but not be sexualized? What would I know that's a quite a deep question for a 13 year old, but I have a feeling you can answer that. So what would you say to that? Probably understand that there's a line between what's actually being sexualized and what's just expressing yourself. I think we need further kind of education on what that looks like because me personally, I don't know what's kind of, oh, this is who I am, but I'm not being sexualized. Like it's such a fine line and I think it's really important that we help girls my age and older and younger understand how we can command that and how we can be seen as that amazing person not just a sexualized female mm -hmm. yeah i think that that's a that's a super powerful line and i think one of the things that kind of i i feel from it is that the sexualization comes sometimes from women also putting that out there to get that those likes that external validation the comments and whatnot and from the boys being trained and conditioned in, to see women as the sexualized and to see them as just an object, which is something external, not as a whole human being. Yeah. And so it's it's both both sides of the coin. I think we need to work on yeah. because I think that when a woman really is owning her sexuality and the power that she has, it's it. It can be sexual, but it's not sexualized because it's not coming from a place of looking for somebody to approve of her or like her or comment on her her 
pose. It's from a place of owning how she looks, being proud of how she looks, and also choosing to do that for herself, not necessarily for the validation of other people. Yeah, I completely agree on that. What would you love to share if you i mean you were just given a, a pretty big platform um <laughs> what would you love to to speak on if you were given the opportunity to have another tedx talk would you speak on the same thing since you see it to be such a pervasive problem or would you change um, i would probably speak on the same thing but i was really interested in doing i didn't have enough minutes to kind of fit it all in but um i'm quite interested in active listening and things like that because I think if we all can be taught and learn to active listen we're going to have a lot more equality and better leadership and political understanding and everything like that so I would love to kind of learn and educate others about what active listening is and how we can all do it but I would probably still talk about sexism because that's very <laughs> important to me yeah well, what is, since you since you mentioned active listening, what what do you see active listening as? I see it as, as far as I know, it's rather than thinking about what you're about to say next, you're actually listening to the person. And I know for me, I do I, I do do that with some people, like I like the people that talk a lot, a lot. I just listen, but I don't I don't really talk as much. With, back at them kind of I just talk with them but then um other people like I just want to get my word in like I'm not actually really listening to them and I think it's really important that we can learn to have a good balance of both but probably more active listening than just talking back and trying to be included do you find that you tend to ask more questions than other kids or listen more yeah <laughs> I probably people probably taken aback by how many questions I ask if we're having conversation or how much eye contact I make I like looking at people's eyes and I think it makes people uncomfortable sometimes but I think that's very important because you can understand kind of where they're coming from and if they're being genuine or not especially but mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting when I was 16 years old I was at a at a drama camp in in the UK and I had a friend actually tell me, she said, Kim, I noticed you never look in people's eyes when you talk. And it's because I always had something to hide. I was so insecure. I didn't want people looking in my eyes because I had so much internal doubt and shame and fear. And I was so super insecure that I didn't look at anybody. And so I made it a point to practice looking people in the eye when you talk. And so I think it's astounding that at 13 you have that skill set and that you have been practiced in that. Who taught you that? Was that your parents to say, like, look somebody in the eye when you talk and, and listen more than you speak or and to ask more questions? Or are you just innately curious? Um, I think kind of my parents always like, love to teach me things since I was little like I was listening to classical music when I was like before I could talk and they kind of just taught me to learn to be inquisitive but I think that's both nature and nurture because they've never told me like look people in the eyes when you're talking um listen more than you speak or anything like that I think that's just kind of who I am and I find it really important to look people in the eyes because it 
I really do believe that your eyes are the window to the soul because you can kind of just see behind what they're saying, whether it's important or they're just blabbing on, like what they're actually thinking in their head. And I think that's just really what's important. Mm-hmm. 100%. And that the questioning, you, you mentioned your inquisitive nature, so which I love. And <laughs> And I think that that is something that I've seen a lot of kids actually had that programmed out of them because a lot of schools teach what to think, not really how to think. And yeah. so it's it's about getting the right or wrong answer. It's not about, let me ask more questions to discover why that is. How do you feel school serves you and, or has served you? Well, I'm actually um, lucky and grateful enough. I'm in, at my school, I'm in, ILP and that's integrated learning program so my assessments although I have to still do exams for everything they're kind of they're integrated and combined so the best example I've done is I had to have I had to write in a group so everything's group work as well I had to write a poem on livability well we had to choose an animal put in the food chain and kind of science and reproduction and all that and how that affects the livability of the Gold Coast while including similes and metaphors and all that. And my program kind of encourages you to, like it's all very, very intelligent kids, but it encourages us to ask more questions and get a further understanding rather than just this is the right and wrong answer. So I probably can't give a perspective for most people on that, but that's from my point what it's like for me at school. Very cool. Isla, you are just such an extraordinary person. And I love the fact that you have a school and an environment that is fostering your creativity and your curiosity to to learn and discover more. I'm not surprised that you've come so far at such a young age with the wisdom that you have because of that curiosity. It's something that I have to train and coach into my clients as adults. (laughs) So the fact that you have that now, you just have such a solid, amazing foundation for what your future holds. And I'm very excited to see it. I'm so honored to be your first podcast. (laughs) I'm very honored. First first of many, I'm sure. So I would love to jump into a bit of rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Who is your favorite female character in a book or a movie and why? Katniss Everdeen because I'm not a huge Hunger Games fan, but because she's just so strong and powerful and commands so much respect, even though everyone didn't respect her in the beginning. Amen. What woman would you want to trade places with just for a day? And by trade places, I mean, live in her head, see how she thinks, be in her body, like actually like experience her life from her perspective. I would say Michelle Obama. Because I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> That's the second most common answer. Is it? <laughs> Versus Oprah. <laughs> She's just being in the public eye for such a long time. It would be amazing to understand how that affects her mentally and kind of how she stays so strong and how she's so commanding because I would love to know how to be that, like, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. Awesome. What is your morning routine? Do you have one? Uh, not really. It kind of changes, but I have to get ready for school. So 
if I'm not being lazy, which I have been lazy for like two weeks because I just finished all the running season and soccer season and all that, but I'll get up at probably, if I am running, I'll get up at 5.30 and I'll go for a run depending on whether it's like sprint season or cross country or whatever. I'll train based on that and then I'll come home and have a shower and maybe I'll just check my phone quickly, see if I've got texts or anything like emails or whatever from school. And then I will eat breakfast, pack my lunch and go to school pretty much. Awesome. <laughs> what is your evening routine to set you up for success in 5.30 a.m. or a.m. runs? <laughs> Unlike a lot of my friends, I love to go to bed early. Like I just, I'm such an old lady with that. I love to eat super healthy and go to bed like super, super early. Um, I just love sleeping. And um, I actually, I'm not religious or anything, but before I go to sleep, I do have a very, very long like gratitude thing that I say every night. And I'm not just saying this to like look good on a podcast, but I actually do. And that's kind of um, like thanking each individual for being there. And if there is something bigger out there, thanking them for bringing me all of these amazing people and things. And that just helps me get to sleep if I have anxiety or whatever. And then I'm set up for a good morning. What do you feel is your purpose in life? Um, to spread awareness and love. Like love is just everything to me. And I just, I will try and make everything creative. That's why I hate maths so much. <laughs> <laughs> just to kind of <laughs> share my out of the box thinking and to make a difference in the world because it's kind of messed up right now. So I would love to just fix it and help to be the cause. What do you most deeply value? Most deeply, I value family and friends. I'm so lucky and so grateful to have such amazing family and such amazing friends. And I have been through a lot of stuff with family. Like I did actually have a sister, but she passed away before she was kind of like, she passed away in the womb. So that's hard. And I had, I have a half brother. He's in my life now, but he came to live with us when he was 16 and his mom's an alcoholic and stuff and he had no rules and then he was meant to live with us for a year and he stayed for like three weeks or something. So that was really hard for me when I was I was just eight then. But he's amazing now and I just value family so much and my friends are everything as well. But yeah. Awesome. So I normally ask this question, but it seems somewhat silly asking it of a 13 year old but we'll see maybe that's just me being <laughs> judgmental but like um if you were to have your success at twice the speed what would you do differently I mean twice the speed you'd be <laughs> six years old <laughs> <laughs> I would probably if it was at twice the speed I would probably teach myself to not overthink as much because I like in exam season or whatever, I get very, very bad anxiety and I can't sleep and stuff and I like shake. So probably if I was like being twice as busy as I am now, I would probably learn to manage my stress a lot more because I'm pretty bad at that. But yeah. You'll get plenty of practice. <laughs> Italy's, Italy's. So, and then what do you define to be your kingdom? My kingdom? I guess anything creative, like 
I just love self-expression and I love to express how I feel and what I see and my perspective. So probably just like, I don't know, being creative, that's probably my kingdom. But yeah. And lastly, how do you crown yourself? Learning that I have a voice and teaching myself that I will have to make the respect that I deserve because I'm not going to get it otherwise. Isla, where can we find you? How can we connect with you? Um, so you can find me on Instagram. So it's Isla underscore free. I like being called Isla or Isla. Either is fine. And well, I don't know what will happen after Ted gets released, but maybe I'll we'll have another platform or something. But yeah, just Instagram Isla underscore free. Have I been pronouncing the, your name wrong this whole time and you haven't told me? Yes. But I don't even Isla! Know. <laughs> I don't even notice because half of my friends call me Isla and half of them call me Isla. So I just expect it as a nickname now or I just accept that that's how it's spelled. So it's okay. Honestly, don't mind. Next time, tell me. Speak your truth. <laughs> Woman, like, let me know. <laughs> Normally I ask normally I ask in the beginning like how do you pronounce it I was like no she's never corrected me on it I guess I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm pronouncing it the, the the right way Isla It doesn't it honestly doesn't put me out like both <laughs> Amazing yeah. all the links to Isla Freer will be down below to watch her TED talk when it releases when it releases we shall see So it should be out by the time this podcast airs as always, my fellow sovereigns, own your throne, mind your business, because your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crownyourselfnow or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.